Number 40. Muhammad Nazim Adil Al-Hakani Oh, you who've gone on pilgrimage, where are you? Where? Oh, where? Here, here is the beloved. Oh, come now, come, oh, come. Your friend. He is your neighbor. He is next to your house. You, erring in the desert? What air of love is this? Rumi Divan Sheikh Muhammad Nazim Adil is the Imam of the people of sincerity, the secret of sainthood who revived the Naqshbandi order at the end of the twentieth century with heavenly guidance and prophetic ethics. He infused into the community and the planet love of God and love of the lovers of God after they had been darkened with the fire and smoke of tribulation and terror, anger and grief. He is the unveiler of secrets, the keeper of light, the sheikh of sheikhs, the sultan of ascetics, the sultan of the pious, the sultan of the people of the truth. He is the chief master without peer of the divine knowledge in the late twentieth century. He is the rain from the ocean of knowledge of this order, which is reviving spirits in all parts of this world. He is the saint of the seven continents, his light having attracted disciples from all quarters of this globe. He wears the cloak of the light of the Divine Presence. He is unique in his time. He is the orchid planted in the earth of Divine Love. He is the sun for all universes. He is known as the saint of the two wings, the external knowledge and the internal knowledge. He is a miracle of God's miracles, walking on the earth and soaring in the heavens. He is a secret of God's secrets, appearing in His divinity and existing in His existence. He is the owner of the throne of guidance, the reviver of the divine law, the master of the Sufi way, the builder of the truth, the guide of the circle, the lyric poem of all the secrets. He is the master of saints and the saint of the masters. Seekers circle the Kaaba of his light. He is a fountain always flowing, a waterfall continuously cascading, a river always flooding, an ocean endlessly cresting and breaking on infinite shores. He was born in Larnaca, Cyprus, on the 23rd of April, 1922, a Sunday, the 26th of Shaban, 1340 Hijra. 
His lineage from his father's side traces its roots to Abdul Khadr Jalani, founder of the Qadari order. His lineage from his mother goes back to Jalaluddin Rumi, founder of the Mavlavi order. He is Hassani Husseini, related to the Prophet, through the lineages of his grandfathers to the family of the Prophet. From his father's side, he received the Khadri Sufi order, from his mother's, the Mavlavi Sufi order. During his childhood in Cyprus, he sat with his grandfather, who was a sheikh of the Khadri order, to learn its discipline and its spirituality. Extraordinary signs appeared early in him. His conduct was perfect. He never fought nor argued with anyone. He was always smiling and patient. His grandfather on his father's side and his grandfather on his mother's side trained him for the spiritual path. As a youth, Chegnazim was given great consideration because of his unusually high spiritual station. Everyone in Larnaca knew about him because at a young age he was able to advise people to predict the future and to reveal it spontaneously. From the age of five there were times when his mother could not find him. After searching she would find him either in the mosque or at the grave of Umm Hiram, a companion of the Prophet, whose grave has a mosque built next to it. Tourists came to her grave in large numbers, attracted by the spectacle of a rock suspended in space above her grave. When his mother would try to bring him home, he would say, Leave me here with Umm Hiram. She is one of our ancestors. He was often seen speaking to Umm Hiram, who was buried fourteen centuries ago, listening and then speaking, listening and answering, as if having a conversation with her. Whenever anyone would disturb him, he would say, Leave me, I am speaking with my grandmother who is in this grave. His father sent him to school to study secular knowledge during the day and in the evening he studied the religious sciences. He was a genius among his fellow students. After completing his high school studies, he would devote his time every night to studying the Mavlavi and the Khadri orders. He was conducting the Khadri and the Mavlevi circles on Thursday and Friday. Everyone in Cyprus knew him at that time as an intensely spiritual person. He learned the divine law, jurisprudence, the science of the traditions, the science of logic, the commentary on the Quran and he was able to give legal rulings on the whole range of Islamic subjects. He was able to speak from all spiritual levels. He had a gift for explaining difficult realities in clear and easy aphorisms. 
After completing high school in Cyprus, he moved to Istanbul in 1359 Hijra, 1940 current era, where his two brothers and one sister lived. He studied chemical engineering at the University of Istanbul in the Bayezid district. At the same time, he was advancing in his knowledge of the divine law and in the study of the Arabic language with his sheikh, Sheikh Jamaluddin al-Asuni, who died in 1375 Hijra, 1955 current era. He received his degree in chemical engineering and he excelled among his colleagues. The university professors encouraged him to go into research. He said, I feel no attraction to modern science. My heart is always drawn to the spiritual sciences. During his first year in Istanbul, he met his first spiritual sheikh, Sheikh Suleiman Arzrumi, a sheikh of the Naqshbandi order who died in 1368 Hijra, 1948 current era. While he studied chemical engineering, he would attend the meetings of this sheikh to learn the discipline of the Naqshbandi order, in addition to his two orders, the Khadri and the Mavlavi. He could usually be seen in Sultan Ahmad's mosque, meditating by himself, throughout the night. He says, There I received great blessings and great peace in my heart. I always prayed the dawn prayer in that mosque with my two sheikhs, Sheikh Jamaluddin al-Asuni and Sheikh Suleiman al-Surumi. They educated me and put spiritual knowledge in my heart. I had many visions during that time drawing me to go to Damascus, but I did not yet have permission from my sheikh. Many times in my visions, through self-effacement, I saw the Prophet Muhammad calling me to his presence. There was a deep yearning in my heart to leave everything and to migrate to the holy city of the Prophet. One day, when this longing in my heart was particularly intense, I saw a vision in which my sheikh, Suleiman Arsrumi, came, shook me by the shoulder, and told me, Now the permission has come. Your secret and your trust and your spiritual guidance are not with me. I only held you as a trust until you are ready for your real sheikh, who is also my sheikh. Sheikh Abdullah Adakhastani. He holds your keys. Go to him in Damascus. This permission comes from me and from the Prophet. Sheikh Suleiman Arzurumi was one of the 313 saints of the Naqshbandi order who stand in the footsteps of and represent the 313 messengers. That vision ended and with it I had received the permission to move to Damascus. I looked for my sheikh to tell him about the vision. I found him coming to the mosque after about two hours. I ran to him. 
he opened his arms and said to me, My son, are you happy with your vision? Then I knew that he knew everything that had happened. He said, Do not wait, direct yourself to Damascus. He did not give me an address or any other information except the name Sheikh Abdullah Adakhistani in Damascus. I travelled from Istanbul to Aleppo by train, where I stayed some time. While there, I would go from one mosque to another, praying, sitting with scholars, and spending time in worship and meditation. Then I travelled to Hama, which, like Aleppo, is a very ancient city. I tried to move on to Damascus, but it was impossible. The French, who occupied Damascus, were preparing for an attack by the English. So I travelled to Homs, to the grave of Khalid ibn Walid, a companion of the Prophet. I visited Khalid ibn Walid, and then I went into the mosque and prayed. A servant came to me and said, I saw a dream last night in which the Prophet came to me. He said, One of my grandsons is coming here tomorrow. Take care of him for me. Then he showed me how you would look. Now I see you are that person. I was so taken by what he said that I accepted his invitation. He gave me a room in that mosque where I stayed for one year. I did not go out except to pray and to sit in the company of two eminent scholars of Homs who were teaching Quran recitation and exegesis, the traditions and jurisprudence. They were Sheikh Muhammad Ali Oyun Asud and Sheikh Abdulaziz Oyun Asud, the Mufti of Homs. I also attended the spiritual teachings of two Naqshbandi sheikhs, Sheikh Abdul Jalil Murad and Sheikh Saeed As-Subai. My heart was yearning to go to Damascus, but because the war was so intense, I decided to go to Tripoli in Lebanon, from there to Beirut, and from Beirut to Damascus by a safer route. In the year 1364 Hijra, 1944 current era, Sheikh Nazim moved on to Tripoli by bus. The bus took him to the harbour and dropped him there. He was a stranger there, not knowing anyone. As he wandered around the harbour area, he saw someone coming from the opposite side of the street. That person was Sheikh Munir al-Malik, the Mufti of Tripoli. He was, at the same time, the Sheikh of all Sufi orders in the city. He approached and said, Are you Sheikh Nazim? I saw a dream in which the Prophet told me, One of my grandsons is coming to Tripoli. He showed me your appearance and told me to look for you in this area. He told me to take care of you. Sheikh Nazim relates, I stayed with Sheikh Munir al-Malik for a month. He arranged for me to go to Homs and from Homs to Damascus. I arrived in Damascus on a Friday, 
1945 Hijra, 1945 Current Era, at the beginning of the Hijri year. I knew that Sheikh Abdullah was living in the district of Hay al-Maidan, near the tomb of Bilal al-Habashi, and many descendants of the family of the Prophet, an ancient area full of monuments from long ago. I did not know which house was the Sheikh's, a vision appeared to me at that moment, while standing in the street, that the sheikh was coming out of his house and calling me inside. That vision ended, but I could see no one in the streets. It was empty because of the bombardment by the French and the English. Everyone was afraid, hiding in their houses. I was alone in the streets. I contemplated in my heart to know which house was the sheikh's. Then, in a vision, I saw a specific house with a specific door. I looked until I found that door. As I approached to knock, the sheikh opened the door. He said, Welcome, my son, Nazim Effendi. His unusual appearance immediately attracted me. I had never seen such a sheikh before. Light poured from his face and forehead. Warmth was coming from his heart and from the brilliant smile on his face. He took me upstairs, climbing up to his room, telling me, We have been waiting for you. In my heart, I was completely happy to be with him, but I also had a yearning to visit the city of the Holy Prophet. I asked him, what shall I do? He said, Tomorrow I will give you your answer. For now, rest. He offered me dinner, and I prayed the night prayer with him and slept. In the early morning he woke me for the superrogatory night prayer. Never in my life had I felt such power as that in his prayer. I felt myself in the Divine Presence, and my heart was more and more attracted to him. A vision came to me. I saw myself climbing a ladder from our prayer place to the Beit al-Mamur, the Kaaba of the heavens, step by step. Every step was a state in which he put me. In each state I received knowledge in my heart that I never before learned or heard about. Words, phrases, and sentences were put together in such a magnificent way, transmitted inside my heart in every state that I had been lifted to until we reached the Beit al-Mamur. There I saw 124,000 prophets standing in rows for prayers, with the Prophet Muhammad as Imam. I saw 124,000 companions of the Prophet Muhammad standing in rows behind them. I saw the 7,007 saints of the Naqshbandi order standing behind them for prayer. I saw 124,000 saints of the other orders standing in rows for prayers. There was a space left for two people directly on the right side of Abu Bakr as-Siddiq. 
Grandshake went to that open space, and he took me with him, and we performed the dawn prayer. Never in my life had I experienced the sweetness of that prayer. When the Holy Prophet Muhammad led the prayer, the beauty of his recitation was indescribable. It was an experience that no words can describe, because it was a divine matter. As the prayer ended, the vision ended, and I heard the Sheikh telling me to make the call for the dawn prayer. He prayed the dawn prayer, and I prayed behind him. Outside I could hear the bombardment of the two armies. He gave me initiation in the Naqshbandi order, and then he said to me, Oh, my son, we have a power that in one second we can make our disciple reach his station. As soon as he said that, he looked into my heart with his eyes. As he did so, they turned from yellow to red, and then to white, and then to green, and then to black. The color of his eyes changed as he poured into my heart the knowledge associated with each color. The yellow light was the first and corresponded to the state of the heart. He poured into my heart all kinds of the external knowledge which is necessary for the daily life of people. Then he poured from the stage of the secret the knowledge of all forty orders which came from Ali ibn Abi Talib. I found myself a master in all these orders. While transmitting the knowledge of this stage, his eyes were red. The third stage, which is the secret of the secret, is only permitted for sheikhs of the Naqshbandi order, whose imam is Abu Bakr. As he poured into my heart from this stage, his eyes were white in color. Then he took me to the stage of the hidden, the stage of hidden spiritual knowledge, where his eyes changed to green. Then he took me to the station of complete annihilation, the stage of the most hidden, where nothing appeared. The color of his eyes were black. Here he brought me into the presence of God. Then he brought me back to existence. My love for him at that moment was so intense that I could not imagine being away from him. I desired nothing more than to stay with him forever and serve him. Then the storm arrived. The tornado descended and turbulence threatened the calm. The test was gigantic. My heart was in despair when he told me, My son, your people are in need of you. I have given you enough for now. Go to Cyprus today. I had spent one year and a half to reach him. I spent one night with him. Now he was ordering me to go back to Cyprus, a place that I had not seen in five years. It was a terrible order for me, but in the Sufi way, the disciple must surrender and submit to the will of his sheikh. 
After kissing his hands and feet and taking his permission, I tried to find a way to travel to Cyprus. World War II was reaching its end. There was no transportation. As I was in the street thinking these thoughts, a person came to me and said, Oh, Sheikh, do you need a ride? I said, Yes, where are you going? He said, To Tripoli. He took me in his truck, and after two days we reached Tripoli. When we arrived there, I said, Take me to the seaport. He said, What for? I said, To find a ship to Cyprus. He said, How? No one is traveling by sea with this great war going on. I said, Never mind that. Just take me there. He took me to the seaport and dropped me off. I was again surprised when I saw Sheikh Munir al Malik coming towards me. He said, What is that love your grandfather has for you? The Prophet came again to me in my dream and said, My son Nazim is coming. Take care of him. I stayed with him three days. I asked him to help me arrange passage to Cyprus. He tried, but it was impossible at that time because of the war and the shortage of fuel. He could find nothing except a sailboat. He told me, You can go, but it is dangerous. I said, I must go, because that is the order of my sheikh. Sheikh Munir paid the owner a heavy price to get him to take me. We set sail. It took us seven days to reach Cyprus, a trip which normally takes four hours by motorboat. As soon as I landed and put my foot on the soil of Cyprus, immediately a spiritual vision was opened to my heart. I saw Grand Sheikh Abdullah Adakhistani saying to me, Oh, my son, nothing was able to keep you from carrying out my order. You have achieved a lot by listening and accepting. From this moment, I will always be visible to you. Any time you direct your heart towards me, I will be there. Any question you have, you will receive an answer directly from the Divine Presence. Any spiritual state you wish to achieve, it will be granted to you because of your complete submission. The saints are all happy with you. The Prophet is happy with you. As soon as he said that, I felt him beside me, and since then he has never left me. He's always beside me. Sheikh Nazim began to spread spiritual guidance and Islamic teachings in Cyprus. Many followers came to him and accepted the Naqshbandi order. Unfortunately, it was at a time when all religion was banned in Turkey, and as he was in the Turkish community of Cyprus, religion was entirely banned there as well. Even the reciting of the call to prayer was prohibited. His first action after reaching his birthplace 
was to go to the mosque and call the people to prayer in Arabic. He was immediately jailed. He stayed in jail for one week. As soon as he was released, he went to the big mosque of Nicosia and called the people to prayer from its minaret. This made the officials very angry. They filed a lawsuit against him. While he awaited the lawsuit, he went all over Nicosia and nearby villages calling the people to prayer from the minarets. As a result, many more lawsuits were raised. Eventually, there were 114 cases pending against him. Lawyers advised him to stop calling the people to prayer, but he said, No, I cannot. People must hear the call to prayer. The day of the hearing arrived for the 114 cases. If prosecuted and convicted, he could have received over 100 years in jail. The same day, the election results came in from Turkey. A man named Adnan Manderes had been voted into power. His first action as president was to open all mosques and to permit the call to prayer to be made in Arabic. That was a miracle of our Grand Sheikh. During his years there, Sheikh Nazim travelled all over Cyprus. He also visited Lebanon, Egypt, Saudi Arabia and many other places to teach the Sufi way. He moved back to Damascus in 1952 when he married one of the disciples of Grand Sheikh, Haja Amina Adil. From that time he lived in Damascus and he would visit Cyprus every year for the three months of Rajab, Shaban and Ramadan. His family lived in Damascus with him and would travel with him to Cyprus when he went there. He had two daughters and two sons. His Travels Sheikh Nazim used to go every year for pilgrimage as the Hajj leader for the convoy of Cypriot pilgrims. He made 27 pilgrimages in all. He looked after the disciples and followers of Grand Sheikh. One time, Grand Sheikh told him to go from Damascus to Aleppo on foot and to stop at every village on the way to spread the Naqshbandi teachings, knowledge of Sufism and the knowledge of religion. The distance between Damascus and Aleppo is about 400 kilometers. It took him more than a year to go and return. He would walk one or two days, reach a village, spend one week in the village spreading the Naqshbandi order, leading zikr, training the people, then move on down the road to the next village. Soon his name was on every tongue, from the border of Jordan to the border of Turkey near Aleppo. Similarly, Grand Sheikh once told Sheikh Nazim to walk through Cyprus. He walked from one village to another, 
calling people to Islam to leave atheism, secularism and materialism and come back to God. He became so well known throughout Cyprus and so beloved that the color of his turban and cloak, both a dark green, became known throughout the island as the Sheknazim Greenhead, Sheknazim Yeselbas. He visited Lebanon many times where we came to know him. In 1955, I was in the office of my uncle, who was the General Secretary for Religious Affairs in Lebanon, a high-ranking government position. It was time for the afternoon prayer, and my uncle, Sheikh Mukhtar Aleli, used to pray in the Masjid al-Umari al-Kabir in Beirut. It was a church at the time of Omar ibn al-Khattab, and it had been converted into a mosque in his time. Beneath the mosque are still to be found the foundations of the church. My uncle led the prayer and two of my brothers and I prayed behind him. A sheikh came and prayed beside us. He looked at my brother and said to him, Are you so-and-so? and mentioned his name. He looked at my other brother and mentioned his name. He looked at me and called me by my name also. We were very surprised at this, as we had never seen him before. My uncle was also drawn to him. This was our first contact with Sheikh Nazim. My eldest brother insisted on hosting Sheikh Nazim in our house, and my uncle came with us. Our guest said, I have been sent by Sheikh Abdullah. He told me, The one on your right side after the afternoon prayer is named such and such, and the other is named such and such, and the other is named such and such. Initiate them into the Naqshbandi order. They are going to be among our followers. His knowing all our names astonished us and drew us to him. Being quite young, I was particularly attracted to him. From that time on, he made it a practice to visit Beirut regularly. We also used to visit Damascus every week to see Grand Sheikh Abdullah and Sheikh Nazim. We received a lot of spiritual knowledge and witnessed the miraculous powers that they were spreading to the hearts of seekers. We were so drawn to them that we were always begging our father to let us go see them every Sunday. Sheikh Nazim's house was never empty of visitors. At least 100 visitors would pass through his house each day. He served each and every one of them. His house was near Grand Sheikh's house on Jabal Khasiyun, a mountain overlooking the city, on the southeastern side of Damascus. He lived in a modest stucco house in which everything was simple, made by hand out of wood or some other natural material. Starting in 1974, he began to visit Europe, 
traveling every year from Cyprus to London by plane and returning overland by car. He continues to meet all kinds of people from every land and tongue, from all different faiths and all different cultures. People continue to bear witness to the one God, join the Sufi way and learn spiritual secrets from him. His smiling, glowing face is known throughout Europe and loved for bringing the true taste of spirituality into the life of people. In recent years he has performed a walkabout in the country of Turkey. Each year since 1978 he has spent three to four months traveling throughout one area of Turkey. In one year he traveled to the area of Istanbul, Yalova, Bursa, Eskizahir, and Ankara. In another he traveled to Konya, Isparta, and Kirsahir. In another year he traveled the southern sea coast from Adana to Mersin, Alanya, Izmir, and Antalya. Then, another year, he went to the eastern side, Yarbakir, Erzurum, and up to the border of Iraq. Another sojourn he spent on the Black Sea, moving from one district to another, from one town to another, from one mosque to the next, spreading the word of God, spirituality, and light wherever he went. Wherever he travels, he is welcomed by crowds of common people and by the officials and government people as well. He is known by the beloved nickname of Al-Kabrusi throughout Turkey. He was the sheikh of the late president of Turkey, Turgut Ozal. He was extremely well respected by him. Currently, he is well known throughout Turkey because of the extensive coverage given to him by the media and the press. He is interviewed nearly every week by one television station or another, one reporter or another, to get his opinions on the events in Turkey and its future. He walks the middle path recommended by the Prophet, enabling him to tread a fine line between the secularist government and the fundamentalist Islamicist groups. This brings happiness and peace to the hearts and mind of both the common people and the intelligentsia. In 1986, he was called to travel to the Far East, Brunei, Malaysia, Singapore, India, Pakistan, Sri Lanka. He was welcomed by sultans, presidents, members of parliament, government officials, and of course the common people everywhere. He is considered the saint of the age in Brunei. He was welcomed by the generosity of its people and especially by the sultan Haji Hassan al-Bolkhiyah. 
He is considered one of the great sheikhs of the Naqshbandi order in Malaysia. In Pakistan, he is acknowledged as the reviver of the Sufi path, and he has thousands of disciples. In Sri Lanka, from among the officials and the common people, he has over twenty thousand disciples. He is well respected among the Muslims in Singapore, and has many disciples there as well. Recently, in 1991, he made his first journey to America. In this first trip, he visited over 15 states. He met people from different beliefs and religions: Muslims, Christians, Jews, Sikhs, Buddhists, Hindus, and New Age believers. This resulted in the establishing of over 13 centers. For the Naqshbandi Order in North America, he made a second visit in 1993 and travelled to many cities and towns, visiting mosques, churches, synagogues, and temples. Through him, over 10,000 people in North America have entered Islam and have taken initiation in the Naqshbandi Order. In October 1993, he attended the rededication of the mosque and school of Imam Bukhari in Bukhara, Uzbekistan. He was the first in many generations of sheikhs of this line to be able to return to the heartland of the great Central Asian masters, who had so powerfully imprinted their way and name upon this order. As Shah Naqshband was the reviver in Bukhara and Central Asia, as Ahmad Asirhindi Al Mujaddidi was the reviver of the second millennium, as Khalid Al Baghdadi was the reviver of Islam, the Divine Law, and the Way in the Middle East, now Sheikh Mohammed Nazim Adil Al Hakani is the reviver, the renewer. And the caller to God in this age, the age of technology and material progress. His seclusions. His first seclusion by the order of Sheikh Abdullah Adakhastani was in the year 1955 in Suwayleh, Jordan. There he spent six months in seclusion. The power and purity of his presence attracted thousands of disciples, so that Suela and its surrounding villages, Ramta and Aman, became full of disciples. Scholars, officials, and so many people were attracted to his light and his personality. When he had only two children, one daughter and one son. He was called by our Grand Sheikh Sheikh Abdullah Adakhustani. He told him, "I have received an order from the Prophet for you to make seclusion in the mosque of Abdul Qadir Jalani in Baghdad. Go there and make seclusion for six months." Describing that event, Sheikh Nazim says, 
I did not ask the sheikh any questions. I did not even go back to my house. I directed my steps immediately to Marja in the downtown. I did not think, I need clothes, I need money, I need provisions. When he said go, I went. I was drawn to do seclusion with Abdul Khadr Jalani. When I reached the downtown, I saw a man looking at me. He looked at me and recognized me. He said, Shiknazim, where are you going? I said, To Baghdad. He was a disciple of Grand Sheikh. He said, I am going to Baghdad myself. He had a truckload of goods to deliver in Baghdad. So he took me with him. When I entered the mosque of Sheikh Abdul Khadr Jilani, there was a giant man closing the door of the mosque, holding it shut. He said, Sheikh Nazim? Yes, I answered. He said, I am the one assigned to be your servant during your stay here. Come with me. I was surprised at this, but in my heart there was no surprise because we know in Tariqat that everything is always arranged by the Divine Presence. I followed him as he approached the grave of the Arch Intercessor. I gave greetings to my great-great-grandfather, Sheikh Abdul Khadr Jalani. Then he took me to a room and told me, Every day... I will serve you one bowl of lentil soup with one piece of bread. I only emerged from my room for the five prayers. Other than that, I spent my whole time in that room. I was able to reach such a state that I could recite the whole Quran in nine hours. I recited La ilaha illallah 124,000 times and 124,000 salutations upon the Prophet, in addition to reading the entire Dalail al-Khairat. Added to that, I was regularly reciting 313,000 Allah Allah every day, as well as all the prayers that were assigned to me. Vision after vision appeared to me. These visions took me from one state to another until I was annihilated in the Divine Presence. One day I had a vision that Sheikh Abdul Khadr Jalani called me to his grave. He said, O oh my son, I am waiting for you at my grave. Come. Immediately I took a shower, prayed two cycles and walked to his grave, which was only some few feet from my room. When I got there, I began contemplating, and I said, "Assalamu alaikum, ya jadi. Peace be upon you, O my grandfather. Immediately, I saw him come out of the grave and stand beside me. Behind him was a great throne decorated with rare stones. He said to me, Come with me and sit with me on that throne. We sat like a grandfather with his grandson. He smiled and said, I am happy with you. The station of your sheikh, Abdullah al-Faizia Dagestani, is very high in the Naqshbandi order. 
I am your grandfather. I now pass to you, directly from me, the power that I carry as the Arch Intercessor. I initiate you now directly into the Khadri Order. Immediately after that, Grand Sheikh appeared, the Prophet appeared, and Shah Naqshband appeared. Sheikh Abdul Khadr Jalani stood up in respect for the Prophet and for the Sheikhs, as did I. He said, O oh, my Prophet, O oh, Messenger of God, I am the grandfather of this grandson of mine. I am so happy with his progress in the Naqshbandi order, and I would like to add the Naqshbandi order to my powers. The Prophet was smiling, and he looked to Shah Naqshband, and Shah Naqshband looked to Grand Sheikh. This was the proper conduct because Sheikh Abdullah was the living Sheikh at that time. Grand Sheikh passed the secret of the Naqshbandi order received from Shah Naqshband through the lineage to the Prophet from Abu Bakr al-Siddiq, adding to the state of Sheikh Abdul Khadr Jalani the power of the Naqshbandi order. When Sheikh Nazim had finished his seclusion and was about to leave, he went to Sheikh Abdul Khadr Jalani's grave to say goodbye. Sheikh Abdul Khadr Jalani appeared in the flesh to him and said, Oh, my son, I am very happy with the states you have reached in the Naqshbandi order. I am renewing your initiation to me through the Khadri order. Sheikh Abdul Khadr Jalani then said, Oh, my grandson, I am going to give you a token of your visit. He hugged him and gave him ten coins. These coins were from the time he was living in, not from our time. Up until today, Sheikh Nazim has kept those coins. Before he left, Sheikh Nazim gave the Sheikh who had served him during the seclusion his cloak as a remembrance. He told him, I used that cloak during all of my seclusion either as a mat to sleep on or as a dress when praying and reciting zikr. Keep it and God will bless you and the Prophet will bless you. All the masters of this order will bless you. The Sheikh took the cloak, kissed it and wore it. Ignazim left Baghdad and went back to Damascus, Syria. In 1992, when Sheikh Nazim was visiting Lahore, Pakistan, he visited the tomb of Sheikh Ali Hujwiri. The Sheikh of the Khadri order invited him to his house. Sheikh Nazim spent the night there. At the time of the dawn prayer, the host said, Oh, my Sheikh, I kept you here tonight to show you a very precious cloak that we inherited twenty-seven years ago. It was passed from one great sheikh of the Khadri order to another from Baghdad. Finally it reached us. All our sheikhs have kept it and preserved it because it was the personal cloak of the arch intercessor of his time. 
A Turkish sheikh of the Naqshbandi order kept seclusion in the mosque and tomb of Sheikh Abdul Khadr Jalani. When that sheikh finished his seclusion, he gave the cloak as a present to a Khadri sheikh who had served him during his seclusion. That Khadri sheikh, before he passed away, told his successors to take great care of that cloak, because if anyone wears it, he will be healed of any illness. Any seeker wearing that cloak in his path to the Divine Presence will be lifted easily to high states of vision. He opened the closet and revealed the cloak preserved in a glass case. He opened the case and took the cloak out. Sheikh Nazim was smiling. The Sheikh asked him, What is it, my Sheikh? Sheikh Nazim said, This brings me great happiness. This is the cloak I gave to the Khadri Sheikh at the conclusion of my seclusion. When the Sheikh heard this, he kissed the hand of Sheikh Nazim, asked to renew his initiation in the Khadri order, and to take initiation in the Naqshbandi order. God takes good care of his saints wherever they go by means of his sincere and beloved servants. Seclusion in Medina Many times Sheikh Nazim was told to go into seclusions which varied in length from forty days to one year. The seclusions also varied in the degree of isolation from outside contact. Sometimes there was no contact, Sometimes there was the small amount necessitated by performing the daily prayers in congregation, and sometimes more contact was permitted for attendance at circles, gathering for lecture or zikr. He did many seclusions in the city of the Prophet. He said, No one ever had the privilege of performing seclusion with his sheikh. I had this privilege in the same room with my sheikh in Medina. It was in an ancient room near the Prophet's holy mosque. It had one door and one window. As soon as I entered the room with my sheikh, he blocked the window by boarding it up. He gave me authorization to leave the room only for the five daily prayers in the holy mosque of the Prophet. I was told by my sheikh to keep the practice of watching the step when I walked to the prayers. By disciplining and controlling the sight, this practice is a means to disconnect oneself from everything except God, Almighty and Exalted, and His Prophet. My sheikh never slept during that seclusion. For one year I never saw him sleep. He never touched food. We were given one bowl of lentil soup and one piece of bread each day. He would always give his share to me. He only drank water, never left that room. Day after day and night after night my sheikh sat reading Koran by the light of a candle, reciting zikr and raising his hands in supplication. For hours he would supplicate 
and one supplication never resembled another. Each one was different from the other. Throughout the whole year he never repeated the same supplication. Sometimes I was not able to understand the language he was using in the supplication because it was a heavenly language. I could only understand these supplications by means of the visions and inspirations that came to my heart. I did not know when nights left and day arrived except by the prayers. Grand Sheikh Abdullah never saw the light of day for one whole year, only the light of the candle. I would see the daylight only when I went out for the prayers. Through that seclusion, I was raised to different levels of spirituality. One day I heard him saying, O oh God, give me the power of intercession. From the power of intercession you have granted to your prophet to intercede for all human beings on the day of judgment, to lift them up to be in your divine presence. As he said this, I was in a vision experiencing the judgment day. God, almighty and exalted, descended on his throne and judged people. The prophet was on the right side of the divine presence. Grand Sheikh was on the right side of the prophet, and I was on Grand Sheikh's right side. After God had judged the people, he authorized the prophet to intercede. When the prophet had interceded and finished, he told Grand Sheikh to give his blessings and to lift the people up with the spiritual power that he had been given. That vision ended as I heard my Sheikh saying, Alhamdulillah, Alhamdulillah. Nazim Effendi, I got the answer. These visions continued. One day he told me after I had returned from the dawn prayer, Nazim Effendi, look. Where should I look? Up, down, right or left? It came to me to look at his heart. As soon as I looked at his heart, a great unveiling occurred to me and I saw Abdul Khaliq al-Gushtuwani appear in his physical body and tell me, Oh, my son, your sheikh is unique. No one like him has ever come before. Then he invited Grand Sheikh and me to come with him. Immediately we saw ourselves with Abdul Khaliq in another place on this earth. He said, God Almighty and Exalted has told me to go to that rock. We followed him to a rock. He said, God has told me to hit that rock. When he hit the rock, an incredibly powerful stream of water came gushing forth from that rock, the like of which I had never seen before. Sheikh Abdul Khalik said, That water is coming out today, and is going to continue to pour out like this until Judgment Day. Then he said, God Almighty has told me that he is creating from every drop of this water an angel of light, which will be praising him until Judgment Day. And he has told me by saying, O oh my servant, Abdul Khaliq al-Gushtuwani, your job is to give every angel its name. You cannot use any name twice. You must name each one with a different name 
and count their praises. You will divide the rewards of their praises among the followers of the Nakshabandi order. That responsibility is on you. Then that vision ended. I was so attracted to Sheikh Abdul Khalik Gushtuwani and amazed by his incredible task. Visions continued to rain on me in similar fashion. In the last day of our seclusion, after the dawn prayer, I heard a voice outside the room crying. I heard one great voice and many smaller voices, like the voices of many small children crying. That crying did not stop, but I was unable to go and see who was crying because I had no permission. The sound of crying kept increasing and continued for hours. Then Grand Sheikh looked at me and said, Nazim Effendi, do you know who is crying? Though I knew that it was not the cries of human beings, I said, O oh my Sheikh, you know better. Immediately he told me, This is Iblis, Satan, and his soldiers. Do you know why they are crying? I said, O oh my Sheikh, you know better. He said, Satan announced to his devils that two people on this earth have escaped their control. Then I saw a vision that Satan and his soldiers were encircled with a heavenly chain that prevented them from reaching my Sheikh and me. That vision ended. Then Grand Sheikh said, Praise belongs to God. The Prophet is happy with you, and I am happy with you. He put his hand on my heart, and I immediately saw the Prophet and 124,000 Prophets, 124,000 Companions, 7,007 Nakshabandi Saints, 313 Exalted Saints, the Five Spiritual Poles, and the Arch Intercessor. All of them congratulated me. They each poured into my heart their divine knowledge. I inherited from them the secrets of the Nakshabandi order and the secrets of the forty other orders. From His Miracles In 1971, Sheikh Nazim was in Cyprus for the three months of Rajab, Shaban and Ramadan as was his custom. One day in Shaban, we received a call from the airport in Beirut. It was the sheikh telling us to come and get him. We were surprised that he had come as we were not expecting him, but we went quickly to pick him up. He told us, I have been told by the prophet to come to you today because your father is going to die. I am to wash him, shroud him and bury him and then go back to Cyprus. We said, Oh, our sheikh, our father is healthy. Nothing's wrong with him. He said, That is what I have been told. He was absolutely certain, and since we had been taught to accept what the sheikh says, we submitted to him. He told us to gather the family and to bring them to see my father one last time. We believed him, and we called all the family to come. 
Everyone was surprised, and some did not believe us when we called them. Some came, and some did not. My father knew nothing about that matter, but only saw the relatives coming to see him as something ordinary. It was a quarter to seven. The sheikh said, Now I have to go up to your father's apartment to recite Surah Yasin as he passes away. He went up to my father's flat from our flat below. He was greeted by my father at the door. My father said, Oh, Sheikh Nazim, it has been a long time since we heard you recite the Quran. Will you read for us? Then Sheikh Nazim began to recite Surah Yasin. Just as he was finishing the surah, the clock struck seven. Just then my father cried out, My heart! My heart! We laid him down, and my brother and sister, who are both doctors, came to check him. They found his heart racing out of control, and within minutes he breathed his last. Everyone looked at Sheikh Nazim with awe and astonishment. How did he know? We were wondering, how did he come from Cyprus just for this? What kind of saint is he? How did he know the time so precisely? What kind of secret was he carrying in his heart? What kind of perfect saint is he who knows things that people cannot know? The secret he carries is a result of God's love and mercy to him. God authorized him with that power and prescience because he maintained his sincerity and piety and loyalty to God's religion. He kept his obligations and his prayers. He honored his holy Quran. He is like all saints of the Naqshbandi order before him, like all saints of other orders before him, like his ancestors, Sheikh Abdul Qadr Jalani and Jalaluddin Rumi, and like Muhyiddin Ibn Arabi, who followed and preserved the traditions of Islam for 1400 years. We were caught between two emotions. On the one hand we cried for our father's passing away, and on the other we were happy with our master and what he had done for our father. His coming to take care of our father at his last breath was a gesture we will never forget. It was a blessed miracle, written with words of light. He washed his body with his holy hands, covered him with a shroud, and buried him with his holy hands. Having accomplished his task, he took a flight back to Cyprus without delay. What kind of emotions and feelings enter the heart of a person when he sees such events before his eyes, events which the material mind cannot encompass or even imagine? The pen cannot express these feelings. We can only say one thing. This is the truth. This is what happened. It is a reality that happens with a mystical power an unbelievable power that can be given to a person when he has been granted love from the divine. With that love, he will be granted knowledge from the divine, wisdom from the divine, spirituality from the divine. 
he will be granted everything. He will be a knower of the past, a knower of the present, and a knower of the future. Once, Sheikh Nazim was visiting Lebanon for a period of two months during the pilgrimage season. The governor of the city of Tripoli, Lebanon, Ashara Daya, was the head of the official convoy to the pilgrimage. He invited Sheikh Nazim to go with him on the pilgrimage. The Sheikh said, I cannot go with you, but inshallah I will meet you there. The governor insisted, Oh, if you are going, please go with me. Do not go with anyone else. Sheikh Nazim replied, I do not yet know if I will go or not. After the season of pilgrimage finished and the governor had returned, he rushed to the house where Sheikh Nazim was staying. In front of one hundred people, while we were watching, he said, Oh, Sheikh Nazim, why did you go with someone else? Why did you not come with me? We said, The Sheikh did not go on pilgrimage. He has been here with us for two months, travelling around Lebanon. He said, No, he was with us on the Hajj. I have witnesses. One day I was making the ritual circumambulation of the Kaaba, and Sheikh Nazim came to me and said, Oh, Ashur, are you here? I said, Yes, my Sheikh. Then he circumambulated with me. We spent the night together in our hotel in Mecca. He spent the day with us on Arafat in our tent. He spent the night with me in Mina. He stayed with us in Mina for three days. Then he told me, I have to go to Medina to visit the Prophet. As he told this story, we were carefully observing Sheikh Nazim, as we knew that he had never left our presence in Lebanon. We saw that unique hidden smile as if he meant to say, That is the power that God grants to his saints. When they are on his way, when they reach his divine love and his divine presence, God will grant them everything. When he saw that, the governor said, Oh, my sheikh, what is this miraculous ability that you showed us? It is incredible. That is something I never saw in all my life. I am a politician. I rely on my mind and my logic. Yet I must say that you are not an ordinary person. You have superhuman powers. It must be something with which God himself has adorned you. He kissed the hand of the sheikh and asked him for initiation in the Naqshbandi order. Whenever Sheikh Nazim would visit Lebanon, that governor and the Prime Minister of Lebanon would sit in the Sheikh's company. Up until today, their families and many of the Lebanese people are his followers. From his sayings About the state of unique oneness, he said, It means the impossibility of the existence of multiplicity, and it is of three categories the unique oneness of the essence. This means that his essence is not compounded nor combined from two or more parts, and there is nothing which resembles his divine essence. 
the unique oneness of his attributes. This means that God, Almighty and Exalted, does not possess two kinds of attributes which represent the same thing. For example, he does not have two wills nor two intentions. He is one in every attribute. The unique oneness of his actions. It means that he is the creator, by his own wish and his own will, of everything that appears in this universe. All creations are either a substance or a description or an action. Thus all his actions are created by him for his servants. If the love is true, then the lover must keep respect for the beloved and proper manners with him. The highest certainty of truth is when the sheikh glorifies the divine presence in your eye and diminishes everything other than God. There are three big snakes that harm human beings. To be intolerant and impatient with the people around you, to be habituated to something you cannot leave, and to be controlled by your ego. To achieve honors in this world is humiliation. To achieve the next life is honor. I am amazed at those who prefer humiliation to honor. If God, Almighty and Exalted, opened the essence of His divine love, everyone on earth would die from that love. We must always be engaged in the following. Pondering God's verses in the Holy Quran and His signs which cause love to evolve in us, thinking about His promise to reward us, which will generate and bring forth in us yearning, and thinking about His warning of punishment, which will generate in us shyness of God. God said, Whoever will be patient with us will reach us. If fear of God is grounded in the heart, the tongue will never speak what is of no purpose. Sufism is the purity of progressing to God's divine presence. Its essence is to leave this materialistic life. One time, Junaid saw Iblis, Satan, in a vision. He was naked. He told him, O oh, accursed one, are you not ashamed to appear naked before people? He said, O oh, Junaid, why should I be ashamed when they are not ashamed of themselves? When you meet a seeker in the way of God, approach him with sincerity and loyalty and with lenience. Do not approach him with knowledge. Knowledge might make him wild at the beginning, but leniency will bring him quickly to you. A seeker should be someone who has left himself and connected his heart with the Divine Presence. He stands in his presence performing his obligations while visualizing the Divine with his heart. God's light has burned his heart, 
giving him a thirst for the nectar of roses, and withdrawing the curtains from his eyes, allowing him to see his Lord. If he opens his mouth, it is by the order of the Divine Presence. If he moves, it is by the order of God. And if he becomes tranquil, it is by the action of the Divine Attributes. He is in the Divine Presence and with God. The Sufi is one who keeps the obligations that God has conveyed by the Holy Prophet and strives to raise himself to the state of perfection which is the knowledge of God, almighty and exalted. Sufism is a knowledge from which one learns the state of the human soul, praiseworthy or blameworthy. If it is blameworthy, he learns how to purify it and enable it by becoming praiseworthy to journey to God's divine presence. Its fruits are the heart's development, knowledge of God almighty and exalted through direct experience, salvation in the next world, triumph through gaining God's pleasure, the attainment of eternal happiness, and illumination and purification so that noble matters disclose themselves, extraordinary states are revealed, and one perceives what others are blind to. Sufism is not a particular type of worship, but is rather the attachment of the heart to God. Such attachment demands that whenever something is preferred, according to the standards of the divine law, for someone in one's circumstances, then one does it. This is why we find that Sufis have served Islam in a wide variety of capacities. Islamic scholars must acquire the higher education of Sufism. Grand Sheikh's Predictions Concerning Sheikh Nazim Before Grand Sheikh Abdullah Adakhastani passed away, he wrote in his will, By order of the Prophet, I have trained and lifted up my successor, Nazim Effendi, and put him through many seclusions, and trained him in severe training, and I am assigning him to be my successor. I see that in the future he will spread this order through the East and the West. God will make all kinds of people, rich and poor, scholars and politicians, come to him, learn from him, and take the Nakshabandi order at the end of the twentieth century and the beginning of the twenty-first century. It will spread all over the world, such that not one continent will be devoid of its sweet scent. I see him establishing and founding huge headquarters in London, through which he will spread this order to Europe, the Far East and America. He will spread sincerity, love, piety, harmony and happiness among people. All shall leave behind ugliness, terrorism and politics. He will spread the knowledge of peace within the heart, the knowledge of peace within communities, the knowledge of peace between nations, 
in order that wars and struggles will be taken away from this world and peace will become the dominating factor. I am seeing young people running to him from everywhere, asking for his blessings. He will show them the way to keep their obligations in the Islamic tradition, to be moderate, to live in peace with everyone of every religion, to leave hatred and enmity. Religion is for God. God is the judge of his servants. That prediction has come to pass, just as Grand Sheikh Abdullah had described it. In the year after Grand Sheikh passed away in 1973, Mawlana Sheikh Nazim made his first return trip to Turkey, visiting Bursa. Then he went to London. Many young people, especially the followers of John Bennett, came to meet him. As many people began coming to hear him, he established his first center there in 1974. He followed his first visit with annual visits to England and the continent during and after Ramadan. The order spread quickly, penetrating all of Europe, together with the United States, Canada and South America. He opened three centers in London for training people in the ways of spirituality, removing their depression and lifting them to a state of peace in their hearts. His teachings continued to spread to all parts of Europe, North Africa, Southern Africa, the Gulf countries, the Americas, North and South, the Indian subcontinent, Southeast Asia, Russia and parts of China, Australia and New Zealand. You cannot find in the countries we have named and countries we have not named a place where the touch of Sheikh Nazim is not felt. This is what differentiates him from all saints that are living now and all saints that came before. You can find all languages are spoken in his presence. Every year, in the month of Ramadan, a huge gathering of his followers convenes in London, which more than 5,000 people attend from all over the world. As God said, We made you nations and tribes so that you might know one another. Quran, chapter 49, verse 13. His followers come from all walks of life. You will find the poor, the middle class, the wealthy, the businessman, the doctor, the lawyer, the psychiatrist, the astronomer, the plumber, the carpenter, ministers of government, politicians, senators, parliament members, prime ministers, presidents, kings, sultans and royalty of all kinds, everyone attracted to his simplicity, to his smile, to his light and to his spirituality. Thus, he is known as the multicolored universal sheikh. His sayings and associations have been collected and published in many books, including the Mercy Oceans series, and number more than 35 titles. 
thousands of feet of videotape and thousands and thousands of hours of audio tape are extant. His life is always intensively active. He is a traveler in God's way, never staying home, always moving from one place to another. One day he is in the east, and the next he is in the west. One day he is in the north, and the next he is in the south. You do not know where he will be from one day to the next. He is always meeting with officials to encourage reconciliation and peace and preservation of the natural world. He is always sowing the seeds of love and peace and harmony in the hearts of mankind. We hope that in the spirit of his teachings, all religions will find paths to reconciliation, leave behind differences, and live in peace and harmony. His predictions for the future of the world are a continuation of Grand Sheikh Abdullah's predictions, announcing events before they occur, warning people, and bringing their attention to what is going to happen. Many times he had said, Communism is going to fall and the Soviet Union is going to split into pieces. He predicted the Berlin Wall would fall. The secret of the golden chain of the Naqshbandi Sufi order is in his hands. He carries it with the highest power. It is shining everywhere. May God bless him and strengthen him in his holy work. May God send much peace, blessings, salutations and light upon the beloved Prophet Muhammad, his family, his companions and all prophets and saints, especially his devoted servants in the Naqshbandi path and all the Sufi orders, and especially upon his friend in our time, Sheikh Nazim al-Haqqani.